on a slightly less interesting um, thing. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Coming up next, something dull. We'll be right back. Slum, 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 gullion. Slum, gullion. We've got season two of the Slum, gullion. Jeff and Scott still host the Slum, gullion. I still don't know what that word means. Hello, everybody. We are in for a special episode of the Slumgullion, America's only podcast. I am Jeff Holland, and three time zones behind me is Scott Clevenger. Hello, Scott. Live long and prosper. Indeed. And that is an appropriate comment for you all today, because today we are taking an in-depth look at sci-fi TV. Ooh! And, but, but here's the big thing. We're not going through all the classics. Oh, no, 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 no. We have new TV shows that we're going to discuss. And I don't even know where to start. Should we start with Little One before we get into the big one? That's what she said. But um bum All right. Well... The Han Solo movie has a title now. Oh, what is it? Are you ready for this? Pick a bland director, you get a bland title. It's called Solo, A Star Wars Story. (laughs) I will. Well, it's Clint Howard's in it, too, so why not? Now, as meh about this movie as I have become... There are two reasons why I'm still going to see it. Not opening weekend, but why I'm still going to see it. I'm not seeing anything open weekend now, but that's a conversation for a different day. Yes, a, we should have that conversation when we have uh, more women on the show. I agree with you. Um, I was going to say, oh, yes. A, I really want to see Aaron Eilrich, or however the hell you pronounce his name, his take on Han Solo. Uh, I believe it's I, Alden Ehrenreich. That's right, Aaron Aaron, Aaron Reich. Um, I, I, he looks the part. I loved him in Hail Caesar. I loved him in Hail Caesar. I want to see what he does with the part. I'm very interested in that. And also, Ron Howard uh, teased a very interesting little Star Wars Easter egg for this movie. And if he did this, it's fan service. But if he does it right, it's going to be fan service that will be awesome. Possible two characters showing up in the film. Tag and Bink. Who, who is that? Okay, Tag and Bink are a couple of characters. We're going into Legends comics now. This were, these were three oh. different comics that Dark Horse did. Um, imagine Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead in the Star Wars universe. That's a funny idea. Through all three movies, there are these two characters, Tag and Bink, who are on the outskirts of every single major thing that happens in the original trilogy. They even did a series, I I can't remember if it was a one-shot or it was a series, that had them as kids in the prequel trilogy. (laughs) Okay. And it's just them, how they are responsible for everything that goes on. For instance, Tag and Bink are are the, Tag is one of the stormtroopers, is the stormtrooper that shot C-3PO in Mm -hmm. On Cloud City. But it's basically these two little characters who are connected to everything. It's a great comic book series. It's really funny. And it looks like Ron Howard might be making these characters canon. If that's the case, I am totally down with it. Because wow, that is that is full manual release fan service. 
Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't know what he'll do with them. If, it may just be a couple of names, but if they actually do do something with the character, do do, huh, I will be perfectly fine with that. But I still have a feeling the film is going to wind up being a little bit doo doo. I yes. want it not to. I want it to be good. But once again, this is a prequel that I really didn't need. More on that in a few minutes, too. Yeah, I'll just say this. I, I'm bar- keeping an open mind about it. I don't know what state the movie was in when uh, Ron Howard took it over, but it looks like well, they did a lot of they're reshoots. They're done now. They're done. Okay. And uh, that, that, that's why he, he announced the when he announced the title of the movie today, it was the, we've wrapped, here's the title. Okay. Uh, my feelings about the film are, I won't dignify them with the word complicated, but they are definitely mixed. Uh, I was never excited by the announcement of it, nope. it seemed nope. it it seemed boringly inevitable. Like, well, of course they're going to do that. Oh, they're going to when when Han met Chewie and when he got the Falcon and when let, let's and when he met Lando. We're gonna we're gonna tick off all these boxes. <laughs> That'll be when fun. Han when Han met Chewie. Does that mean we're going to have Chewie doing the orgasm scene from when Harry met Sally? Well, he he usually sounds like he's coming anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know, on. I'll have what he's having. Exactly. That would be awesome. That would, that be. would be awesome. That anyway, would. sorry, go on. So I determined to keep an open mind about it. And then and then when, um, what was it, the Lego movie guys? I thought, well, okay, now here's a chance to bring something to the Star Wars universe we've never had before. Something loose, improvisational, something a little crazy, something primarily comic. And I was intrigued by that possibility and completely unsurprised when Disney said, ew, no, and stopped it, just hit the brakes in the middle of the whole thing and brought in, uh, you know, Andy Bland to take over. Now, I don't hate Ron Howard by any means. No, he is um, a very he is a very good technical filmmaker. Technically, he's quite good. So yes. if and here's the thing, the reason that the, they they bounced the Lego guys is because they were too improvisational and they were departing too much from the script, which is a Kasdan script. And Kasdan was pissed off about it. He went, he went right. little Patty Shaevsky on them. Right. And you know what? My feeling is if there's a good script, it's probably in, in the Star Wars universe, it was probably written at least in part by Lawrence Kasdan. So it, they went back to that script. It has a chance of being good. So I haven't decided it's going to be a disaster. And certainly I will go see it with an open mind and a, and a hope, if not expectation of, of entertainment, but it remains a stupid idea. And it remains, it remains an idea where the whole movie is just box ticking. It's just, okay, they're going to want to see when he does that. And here's when he did that. Oh, and here's the Kessel run. And the whole movie to a certain extent. Here's Clint Howard, a box, box, box. Yes. The, uh, the whole movie basically, unless it's super entertaining, is going to feel like sitting there filling out a Scantron sheet. It's gonna be like yeah. taking. It's gonna be like. It's gonna be like taking a test at the DMV. So. Yep. 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 I. 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 I wish I cared more. I really do. I hate the fact that this is the first Star Wars movie that I'm kind of in my life where I'm going. Eh. Okay. But you know what? Maybe. Maybe because your expectations are so low, maybe it will astonish you and win you over. And you. It's be- possible. It is possible. Like I said. I mean. Like I said. I walked into Rogue One with. I won't say expectations. I walked into Rogue One with so many fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was more scared than, you know, excited. And thankfully, I walked out 
liking it more than I liked Empire, but that's just me. That's I I... well, what you just described is pretty much how everyone feels the first time they have sex. <laughs> okay, now that we've talked about good sex, let's talk about shitty sex. We're gonna jump sci-fi properties now. It's just we've a actually jump got. To the left. What was that? It's just a jump to the left. Oh no, no Rocky, no bad monkey, no cookie for you. Nah. Sorry, four years of every weekend of my life is coming back to haunt me now. <laughs> kids, kids, that's what we did before the internet. We went to Rocky Horror, and I was damn good at it, too. I think I'm one of the only people who could play Brad and Riff Raff in the same performance. Wow, that is versatility. Well, I was the only person in the cast who knew Riff Raff without looking at the screen for the time warp, mm -hmm. and I was the only person who knew Brad without looking at the screen for Rose Tint My World. Oh. Everybody else had to like look at the screen. It looked really bad, and there'd be some nights where I would play. I'd play Riff Raff for the time warp, and then I switched to Brad for the second half of the show. <laughs> so, what did the Brad from the first half of the show do? Um, I honestly don't remember. I really don't. He was He's, kind of an idiot, and I couldn't stand him, so I never talked to him. He slipped into a little French maid number and played magenta. It's uh, it's very possible. I know he was a bit of a... He did enjoy that, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, we're actually doing two different franchises here that have premiered recently. That's right, boys and girls. We're talking Star Trek Discovery, or as I like to call it, Star Trek Hoipies. Think about it for a second. And the Orville, or as I like to call it, Star Trek. Yep. <laughs> now we'll get to the Orville in a second because I want to I want to I want to save the praise for the second half of this little thing. Um, I really want to talk to you about Discovery because we've been we've been talking forever about how we didn't want to get the app. I told you that I wasn't even going to watch the show mm -hmm. and that we were going to have you were going to watch the pilot and then report back to me. But then I got a buddy who paid the $7 a month so he can buffer it constantly through every commercial break. <laughs> can you believe how horrible that app is? Uh, I haven't actually been on the app. <laughs> Good for you, sir. Good for you. Okay. But he paid for it, so he said, if you want to come over and watch it, and I was like, I kind of didn't want to, but I wanted to have this conversation with you. And um, let's start with the first two episodes, what I like to call what shouldn't have been the pilot, which was the pilot. I fucking hate the Klingons. Anyone listening to the show knows that uh, my wife, Mary, is is a celebrated geek girl. Yep. Um, and she is a Star Trek fan. She watches the original series when it pops up on whatever they're showing it on now. And uh, half the time when I walk out, she's either got a TNG episode or, or the original series. And she made it through maybe half of the first episode of uh, STD. And when it... Boypies. Yes. She bailed out during one of the, the interminable Klingon theological discussions that, that adorned that first episode and you see i actually i that the the discussions didn't bother me so much i mean i found it moderately interesting really? my problem is my problem is i think the klingons look like granite made visitors remember the visitors i'm trying to from v oh oh right 
Those take the visitor, visitor makeup and slap granite on it, and there are the Klingons. So they're like the high end uh, visitors. You know, it's like in in uh, real estate, granite countertops. Is always, <laughs> that's always a selling point. So. I so remember we, when I first saw pictures of the Klingons, I'm like, they look like visitors to me. And the more on, I'm like, the more I've been watching, I'm like, they're the fucking visitors. Where's Put some human skin on them, which we'll get to that in a second. And where's Diana? Oh, but, somebody, okay. somebody, somebody pointed out that not only did they, did they go all in on the, on the head ridges, which now go from front to back, they lost all their hair. And as somebody pointed out, they've acquired two extra nostrils. It's like, is that really necessary? Are you really want to make these your own? You know what? They're ugly. No one's going to want toys. I mean, you might sell some Halloween masks, but what was the point? In fact, uh, here's the thing. Yeah. What was the point of having the Klingon the same way? Well, there's a war. It's canon. We, we've never really explored that part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who cares? How about something post-Voyager with new aliens? How about... Something that does not rehash the past 50 years like we've been doing seemingly for the past 50 years. 50 years. Isn't it science fiction? Isn't it supposed to be futurism? Isn't it supposed to be a dynamic look at things to come? Why is it a boring look back at stuff we've done before? But no, wait, we changed it. It's all, it's going to give you a completely fresh perspective. Now they've got four nostrils. Isn't that worth? <laughs> and, okay, so, and, and, and let's talk about let's. I, I gotta say, Michelle Yeoh is my favorite character in the show. <laughs> why? 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 Because I because fucking... she died. She dies before she gets a chance to irritate you. No, I love Michelle Yeoh. I fucking hate it when people they they advertise Michelle Yeoh as being one of the stars of the show, and she fucking dies in the friend the pilot i yeah. hate it when people do that i am a huge michelle yo fan okay oh, I adore oh so her. so am i going back to uh, heroic trio uh yeah or uh, or police story uh, oh yeah yeah exactly heroic trio was the first one of hers that i saw she yeah that she, was actually my introduction to her she's she's amazing and and uh i love her and because and she, i love her yeah, i adore her and i knew that she, she was, was gonna die off. didn't you know she was gonna die i knew she I was gonna die I, really, uh, I, I had no clue i go they're not gonna give us this they're not gonna give us this because she is going to die if if she gets to be the captain no one's gonna give a crap about burnham and her her dual identity and her 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 being torn between two lovers, humans and Klingon or Vulcans, and no nobody's going to give a crap. I, I didn't know what they were going to do with her, but I genuinely did not think. I I don't know why. I with me being stupid, maybe it's because I like her too much. I didn't think they were going to kill her off, but in the stupidest way possible. Uh, oh, well, and it was a, let's it was, not forget. Let's not forget that also in the two-hour pilot, we learned that our main character is a fucking mutineer. Yep. That's fresh. So now, now, and again, um, I will say that there have been mutineer, uh, there have been mutineering characters in Star Trek before. This has been pointed out, but my response to that is yes, but they're not the main fucking characters. I, I mean, I guess this is this is true in real life. So maybe it's maybe it's a uh, it's a soupçon of cinema verite, but. It was really unclear why she was doing what she was doing. She didn't get to do it anyway. 
Yeah. And yet, and yet, her plan didn't even fucking work. Right. The Klingons fired the first shot, and yet everyone blames her for starting the war. So it's it's just sort of a raw deal all around, and she didn't put up any sort of defense in her court martial because she feels like she got her captain killed. She didn't get her captain killed. They went into they went into an enemy ship, and and the captain got stabbed. It wasn't her fault. Oh, but she she uh, shot uh, she shot the uh, Klingon Messiah in the back. I guess that's what really triggered the war. I don't know. The Klingons that, already fired yeah. on them. There was already a war going. I. It seems like he was a legitimate target. It makes no sense. They really don't know whether they want us to admire her, whether she's just somebody who has to earn uh, her status as, as the hero of this, whether she even is the hero of this. I think she's definitely not a hero. Maybe some, that's going to be her journey. But right now, okay, well, I'll, I'll, a little bit further. Okay, so finally, in episode three, we finally get to see the start. We finally get to see the discovery, and we get to meet the only character that I found interesting until the most recent episode, Captain Lorca. I like the actor. I think what he's doing was interesting. Mm-hmm. And everything about, like I said, episode three became a whole new ball game for me with this show because I'm like, like the first two episodes, I did not like anybody. I didn't like any of the characters. I thought they were all assholes. And unlike Deep Space Nine, where the characters were maybe assholes, but you liked them, at least I did. I don't like any of these people. At okay, all. Let, let let me let me play devil's advocate for once. Um, the thing I like about Star Trek: Venereal Disease is that. Everyone is an unabashed asshole. Yeah. Now, I, I, I know and I, I know that's what you hate about it. But the thing that's always stuck like a caraway seed in the wisdom teeth of my Star Trek fandom is the insufferable smugness and hypocrisy of the characters. Everyone, especially in TNG, everyone on the Enterprise mm-hmm. D mm-hmm. in Next Gen was an asshole, too. They just wouldn't admit it. Whereas everyone on the Discovery is not only an asshole and not only admits it, but thinks that everyone else on the ship is a huge asshole. asshole. Even Cadet Tilly, who's this <laughs> meek, timid, oh, so sweet, nice, always want to t- t- talk about your feelings and what you're going through, is kind of a jerk, if only because her passive-aggressive game is strong. It's like, listen, I know everyone's shunning you. Why don't you tell me what you're feeling? Oh, I don't want to. Oh, that's fine. I guess, you know, you're, you're really smart. I guess you've got a lot of other friends. It's like... It actually forces thing. actually forces Burnham to say, it's not you, it's me. It's like, wait, yep. it's only season five and you're breaking up with her already? <laughs> and here's the thing, though. Playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. No, Ooh, Krantz a double devil. Time. We're double deviling yeah, down. Double deviling down. That's right. Now, granted, as I have stated many times, the only Star Trek series that I have genuinely enjoyed from beginning to end it's was DS9. Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I actually, I do know why, but that's neither here nor there. But I can also use another Ron Moore show as an example. My favorite science fiction show of all time, Battlestar Galactica. The characters on both of those shows, most of them could be considered assholes. Mm-hmm. Most of them made asshole moves at one point or another, but... They were interesting characters. I liked watching them. I liked watching them be assholes to each other and on the occasional moments when they were nice to each other. Five episodes into Discovery now, I, I don't like any of the characters now. This newest episode totally destroyed anything I liked about Lorca. Uh, did it? Why? Oh, the whole um, him blowing up his crew. 
Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find out why he survived, and I'm sure it will, we'll find out that. Well, I don't know. May, I I don't actually know that. I, I was going to say no, that's we'll, like, prob- we'll probably find point. out it wasn't his fault. Uh, he didn't oh, intend to survive. Oh, Something happened, but fine. you know what? This I bet guy, he. I bet he did. I bet he did intend to I survive. Bet, I'm, I bet he did too, because Lorca, like the last one thing I've liked about him so far up until that point, was that he was an asshole, but he was at least an interesting asshole to me. Everything that he did up until the newest episode, I found, you know, fairly, fairly interesting. But then the whole, yeah, I killed my crew so they wouldn't be tortured by the Klingons. I'm like, oh, so you're a fucking coward. No, Not we'll only find you out. Kill your crew, but you got away. We'll I, find no. out. You know, it, it it looks bad, but we'll find out. Um, that that did make me want to know more. I don't trust. Also, that information came by way of Harry Mud. Hey guys. Okay. You know. Yeah, hey, more fan service. Yay, look at that. Yeah. You know, here's the biggest thing. And there, I want to I wanna get to the F-bomb in a second. But here's my thing about this show. I think I would love this show if it didn't have the Star Trek name on it. Yeah, it wants I to be. I think I would really get into this show if it wasn't called Star Trek and wasn't a quote-unquote prequel. I was just going to say that the discovery, the thing about the discovery, and besides it's, it's, you know, quantum portobello mushroom drive that allows it to teleport itself um it's the only starfleet vessel uh with its own uh, hula hoop <laughs> so they could have called it you know they could have called it like whammo discovery or hasbro yeah, but, discovery yes but std is a much better title for the show yeah. i'm now that being said um i'm gonna throw this at you i have not told you this i have a theory about the show all right and it explains at least for me the the tech that makes no sense mm-hmm. because I, I and again I'm not I, I understand the we have new technology we've got to do things in new ways but this is set fucking ten years before Kirk like right now the episode that they're on right now the cage has happened okay mm-hmm. if we're following the timeline the cage has already happened so Pike you know is, is doing his thing and. It doesn't look anything like the world. And I know that was back in the 60s, but still this retro, we're going to redesign things even though it look completely different. It's the same thing like with the prequel trilogy of Star Wars and it just doesn't work and it irritates me. Especially- and they, get, they, have, they have holographic communications. That's, that's very Star Wars. That was never, that was never I was Star say, Trek. They didn't even have that next gen, did they? No, they did not. I mean, I understand why... Everything looks super cool and and holographic-y, and everyone's got these floating screens, and that's all fine. But if they had had these people on a Constellation-class starship and used plastic tapes and, and, you know, the ladies were in miniskirts and and the men were wearing uh, velour pajamas, I would have said, okay, however good or bad the show is, respect. If they if they had just decided to do like a completely retro, if they had madmanned it, go no, we're just going to go total sixties. I would have even been happy with a little bit of retro. No, no, got to go full full retro. I agree with you. I agree with you. They should have, but I would have been. I I think I would have been happier right now. They let that genie out of the bottle with Enterprise. Yeah, Enterprise Enterprise already looked more advanced in the series Enterprise than the Enterprise did in the original series. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. But anyway, here's my theory. And now granted, I don't think it's going to go this way, but if it is, this would make this show eminently more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think that this ship is section 31. Yeah. 
And if this ship is well, its registration the- number is what is it? It's NCC. Yeah, uh, some 10, 1031. Something like that. And you know what? Um, one of one of my Brit friends. I think you were on the Star Trek show with the Orgs, weren't you? I was. Yes. Thanks what? for remembering. <laughs> but um, I was talking to the orgs about. Yes, this, I deeply I offended the orgs. They will remember me. I was the guy who hated TNG. <laughs> but I, I, I threw that I threw that theory at them, and apparently I'm very happy more people are, are thinking this. There are also some people who are now thinking that the whole show is in the mirror universe, which obviously that's not true. No. Because that nice little stupid tag at the end of the newest episode, but we'll get to that in a second as well. But if this show is about Section 31, that for me explains the uniforms, it explains the advanced tech, and I'd be cool with it. Mm-hmm. I still may not like the characters, but at least the technical aspects, I'd be more, you know what I mean? I'd be more like, okay, I can accept this now. Well, when it was there ever a likable... Fuck you off my back. Right. When was there ever a likable character in sec- from, from Section 31? In exactly. So it would make perfect sense that, that they were all assholes. Here's the thing that bothers me. And and I I think you may be right. I hope you are, because that will that will, as you say, solve a lot of problems. And they claim they have solutions yeah. to all the problems they've caused. So we'll find out. But for somebody who was adopted into Klingon society at a very young age. Vulcan, Vulcan. Vulcan, I'm sorry, Vulcan society at a very Remember, young age. Remember, she's Spock's her tier two for unknown sister. You know God, what? Spock has, Spock has so many unknown siblings that I'm not sure I'm not related to him. I think he was at our last Thanksgiving, but I just didn't get down to the kids' table. So anyway, <laughs> for somebody who was raised in Vulcan society, and when you first, you know, in the flashback, when she first meets... Giorgio is somebody who goes out of their way to be a, a cold, unemotional asshole who doesn't doesn't. What do you mean by hello? What? Uh, she's cert- she cries like a leaky faucet. She's got she's got big, soulful, teary eyes every single fucking episode. Five sim- five times, once an act in every single episode. So you know what? Yeah, you were raised by Vulcans, and then you were reintroduced to Federation society. I think Michael. You've overcorrected. <laughs> and real fast, I have to address. I have to talk about the fucks. Oh, um, apparently it had, it had two fucks to give us. It had two fucks to give us, and I have two fucks to care about that particular scene. And that here's many. why: first off, it was over fucking techno babble. Yep. At, oh, what was the line? That's so fucking cool. Yeah, it is fucking cool. Over techno babble, and it was over techno babble that we heard almost word for word in the previous episode. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't even a, a, a triumphant moment. Like no, the the techno babble had had saved the sh- saved the ship or saved a colony or they pulled off something uh, amazing. It was just like, oh, hey, we could do this and this and this and the other. and hey, look at the instructions. That's so fucking cool. No, you don't know how to use that, don't you? You just did that because you're it. on a stupid app. Yeah, and and, and let's. T- I want I want to talk for a second. I'm going to switch uh, shows here about earning swear words. Okay, mm-hmm. I've mentioned Preacher before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second season of Preacher had what I think is the most brilliant use of the word fuck I have ever heard. Now, you know, we've had this conversation. I am all for creative uses and and good uses of swearing. Sometimes I overdo it, I freely admit, but sometimes I use, I specifically use swear words specifically for a specific point. Now then, Preacher, for its whole first two seasons, 
never went anything beyond the occasional shit. Okay. Now, well, it's one on of them AMC, G- isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I don't think. Yeah. I can. It's, no. No. It's on. No. It's on. Yeah. It is on AMC. It is on AMC. And um, throughout the whole second season, uh, one of the major characters has been in hell, and one of the characters that he has met is Adolf Hitler. Now, this is hey, from this, the this is this, what bothers me. This is like this is like reincarnation when everybody was somebody famous in their previous life. This is what bothers me when people go to hell. They all meet. Oh, they met Jeffrey Dahmer. They met Hitler. They met Nero. They met. Bob. It's like you would probably you went to hell. Think about how many assholes are in hell. You would well, just meet. There are some enough guy assholes in this hell. Trust me on part. this. The way he, the way preacher handles hell, where the comic hell is very, very interesting and very, very unique. But um, Adolf Hitler in in the show is very quiet, very unassuming. He's actually a nice guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, I know, I know. It's real. It's that's part of the humor of it, I guess. But then there's a moment when he's trying to get people to listen to him to do something, and everyone's making fun of him. It's like, well, why should we listen to you? And for the first time in the entire series, the actor who's playing Hitler gets the, for lack of a better word, a mean Adolf look on his face, mm-hmm. and he says, "I am Adolf Mother. I, I am Adolf fucking Hitler." And then it cuts to everybody doing exactly what he wanted them to do. Huh. Okay. And I had to rewind that because I honestly wasn't sure that he said what he said. And then there were, and there was no other strong language used in that entire episode. Okay. It was just that one fuck. And it was beautiful. They earned it. They earned that fuck, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, here's here's the thing. Star uh, Trek did fuck. not earn their fuck. Sorry. Yeah, I had to fuck, get that out. fuck, fucking, it's an intensifier. And if there is, if, if it's not intensifying anything, then it's just profanity or punctuation. Yes. And all it was in this was, oh, hey, this is why you're paying an extra $10 a month instead of watching this on TV because we can say fuck. See, we just said it. Oh, we said it again. Aren't we naughty? Aren't we naughty? Exactly. Now, I, now I do want to praise one thing. I know as much as, and I, and I will keep watching because I do like Jason Isaacs. I think he's a very interesting actor and yes. I do want to find out what the deal is with Lorca. I do. Um, the episode, I can't, I think it was this newest one, um, with where, when they were when they realized that the creature that they were using was in pain. It was a sentient creature, and it was in pain with the whole uh, warp thing. Yep. I thought that was that that was very Star Trek. Should we use this care? I I did like that, but I think they kind of ruined it by having the fucking death noticer, who is a prey species himself, saying use the thing. That, right. It seems like that character would be more of the one to, you know, be like, we should, you know, he's a sentient creature. We're using it as prey since he's a prey species himself. Yeah, but you know what? Most, I mean, prey species are 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 perfectly happy to have somebody else get noticed by the predator. You know, it's like, no, 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 take the sick and the old. There, look at that. See that one's limping. Take that one. You know he's, what? That's a that's a valid point right there. Okay, you 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 have changed my mind on that problem. I'm cool okay. with it now. All right, and also one he, sense that you did it nicely done. Thank you, thank you. Did you notice how crazy Burnham's hair got after the Battle of the Binary Stars? Apparently, yes. she's been stripped of both Federation rank and hair care products. <laughs> yeah, she definitely needs she definitely needs some product. Yeah, she um, has she has she has I'm depressed hair. 
<laughs> and I have to admit, I was kind of surprised that Stamets injected himself. I did not think that was going to happen. That was almost an interesting development for that character. It came dangerously close to being interesting. The The thing about Stamets that I do did kind of like was he's so he, he is such not a Roddenberry era character. Yes. There have been pissy scientists in Star Trek before, but the fact that he fiercely bitterly resents working for quote that warmonger Lorca. Yep. He's he's I mean and you've seen people before who said no Federation the the, the Federation and Starfleet is is humanitarian. We're we're not, not soldiers. Yeah. And well, guess what? They are now because there's a war on. And <laughs> and and the fact that he's <laughs> indispensable to the cream of mushroom drive research means that he can get away with calling with calling his captain a warmonger. Yep. Um, the fact that the whole, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around, okay, we can teleport anywhere in the galaxy because there's all this fungus everywhere. I'm going, so basically you're telling me that the grout in my shower gives me the power to go anywhere in the universe. As long as, as, no, it gives you the power. It gives you the power to go to any other place that has grout in a shower. Uh, okay. Well, apparently, apparently there's grout everywhere. There's fungus everywhere. It stretches through infinity. The fact that he injected himself with mushroom extract and then could see, could see everything and could yeah. see all these neural pathways. I go, all right, well, you often see weird stuff when you're on mushrooms. So I kind of, I kind of buy that. Um, I thought the same thing, dude. Yeah. So I, 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 I actually, my thought was I've been on this trip before. Cool. Yeah. And I would like this to be good. You know, I mean, folks, I, I, I am not hating to hate. <laughs> uh, no. You know, I'm hating just because I don't think it's telling its story well. I'm a hater, but I take no pleasure in my hate. And I don't <laughs> I don't actually hate it. There's just there are things about it I like and there are things about it I'm willing to concede. I just assume that it's some other. This is some this is like the fourth timeline where technology was oddly more advanced and they're never so gonna... instead of the Kelvin timeline, this is the Celsius timeline. <laughs> right. It's the, uh, it's the Portobello timeline. <laughs> no, the Shiitake timeline, the, t- the toadstool timeline. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, who's going to be a major character in the back half of this season, Mario. You beat me to the joke, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) You get points. Good job. Good job. And, of course, at the end of the newest episode, we got Anthony Rapp, whom I loved in Rent. I saw him on stage. Oh, really? Yeah, I I actually did get to see the original cast of Rent. So I got to see um, him and, oh, God, I can't even think of her name now. Well, everybody who was in Rent the Movie, I saw on stage. <laughs> and I, mean, cool. I love him on stage, but oh my God, that evil mirror look that he had in the end was so fucking over the top. Yeah, well, there's really, it's hard to do that subtly. I Yeah, I know, but I mean, then they should have just tried doing something different because well, that he, was Well, he, was, so it wasn't even, he it wasn't even him. I mean, he, he left. He walked out of the room. It's just an image in the mirror. So what? So what do you think? Has um have they have they now switched over to the mirror universe, or has mirror rap popped up into our universe, or whatever universe this happens to be? It might be. It might be either of those two things, or it may be that because he basically navigated the ship through uh, mushroom space, uh, he's out of phase with time, 
there's another him. I don't know. We're, we'll I, find see, out. I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of inter- I'm, kind of interested in that too. He he left his image in the mirror, like Peter Pan leaves his shadow in the nursery, at the Darling House. Uh, was a little more interesting. They keep they keep having, they keep making me go. Eh, all right, that was all right, and then leaving me with something. Go oh, hmm. There's still it's still making me go hmm more than. Ugh. That, now, now, the first two episodes was me going, ugh. Oh, those, those first two episodes were horrible. I well, you know what? Uh, I wasn't going to – well, I, we, we talked. We talked about this off mic, and I I wasn't going to watch any more of it. And you said right. – uh, I think I, third – when Lorca showed up was when it got right, interesting to me. Right. When we talked, I watched – I had watched the first episode, just the one that was on uh, – that was aired on CBS Network – Right. And I said, eh, this is not for me. I don't need to watch this. And then you said, you said, get through the second one. Right. Suffer it, the second one. It gets su- a little better. Suffer the second one. And by the third episode, it gets interesting. And I did. And you, and it was. So I'm into it now. We'll see where it goes. I mean, it's I'll there. be a lot more into it if it's section 31. That's all I got to say. Yeah. It's a little early for them to reveal that, though. That's 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 true. That is true. But I'm I'm hoping. I I'm so hoping that they do that because that would actually be an interesting take and something new. Which even though it's a prequel, would still be something new. Which is something that Star Trek has not done in quite some time. No, they desperately need something new for for a sci-fi franchise. It's just it's on a treadmill. Now, speaking of sci-fi franchises that um, need something new, let's talk about Star Trek. I mean, the Orville. Yeah. And joining <laughs> Scott and myself through the miracle of modern technology is Mrs. C. Welcome back to the show. How the hell are you today? I am wonderful. That is awesome as always, and of course, the Orville. So, okay. Um, have you guys, are you guys completely caught up? Yeah. Uh, yes. We never miss. Them. Okay. So I just, before we get into any specifics about the show, I, I gotta say, uh, I had told Scott this before. Um, when I first heard about this show, I thought it was going to be a half hour sitcom and that it was going to be more in the lines of like a family guy and American dad. And I thought, okay, fine. But yeah. But then when I heard it was an hour show, I thought, all right. And the way Seth MacFarlane was talking about walking the line between science fiction and comedy, I'm like, okay, what's he going to do here? Now, I did not see the second episode, which I heard was a pretty decent episode. You can give me your thoughts on that one in a minute. First episode was okay. Wasn't great, but I was interested. I liked the people. Um, the third episode is I just absolutely fell in love with, but I'll get to that in a second. What did you guys think of the second one? Because like I, I know it focused on the security girl, and Jeffrey Tambor was in it, and I heard it was pretty good. Jeffrey Tambor and Holland Taylor. As his parents. Oh, As my God, it was parents. Holland Taylor? It was so... Oh, I had it no was so perfect. It. Oh, damn. Yeah, they they and I was so sad that uh, I I don't know. Do you want spoilers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I I'm not. It's my DVR got screwed up. It's not on there, so I'm not going to get a chance to see it until like repeats. So go ahead. I was so excited that they were both on there and they were just so perfect as parents. I bet their chemistry together was amazing. It was really good, and I I was very disappointed that they were just part of a trap. Oh, of course. It was a trap. But apparently oh. they, they are they are his real, I mean, they were close approximations of his real parents, so maybe they'll show up at some point. I did like, 
I did like the lovingly nagging relationship they had with him and the and sort of how the passive clueless, a, uh, the, the passive aggressiveness yeah. with his ex-wife. Oh, yeah. Kelly, we haven't seen you since you cheated on our son. Oh, God. <laughs> and and it, this, this is on the bridge because they're, they're coming over. They're coming over the, uh, the screen. So it's just really super awkward for everybody. <laughs> Okay, that sounds okay. Yeah, all right. But I heard it was a good one. And it was, and it did. I, it did something that this is the first one. I mean, we liked the first one. We thought, oh, okay, yeah. Well, let's see. Which this is worth sticking with. But then the second one had a very Star Trekian feel. I mean, it was sort of like, uh, okay, let's kind of do a spin on the cage, where they are captured by you know they they're a breeding pair, even though you know they're divorced and they're put in a in a zoo by a, a technologically advanced alien species. And just sort of Super gawked technologically at. Advanced. Okay, so episode two was kind. All right, that follows in line because I swear to God, every episode that they've done so far, I have seen elements of cl- either classic Star Trek or Next Gen episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Orville. Every the Orville single to, episode yeah. has has that influence, which I I find I find amusing. Well, here let me just say this before we get further into it, because uh, the Orville to me feels. I mean, like about a girl felt very much like oh. an, like an original series episode. But the the look, the feel, the costumes, and just some of the the energy on the ship feels like they're going kind of for the next generation era. Except it doesn't make me want to punch it in its smug little face. <laughs> now here's the because it actually here's the has thing. here's the thing it actually has that optimism about humanity and yes. science which we desperately need. Unlike yes. TNG, TNG claimed it was optimistic, depicting a post scarcity society you know without war or poverty or racial strife a a testament to the perfectibility of man and in reality it was a chauvinistic piece of back padding about how great humans are and how much you aliens of the week suck with your bumpy foreheads and your inferior values but don't worry nothing plagues your civilization that can't be solved by a three-minute tongue lashing by captain john luke sanctimony just before the last fucking commercial break (laughs) Tell me how you really feel, Scott. <laughs> Take a okay. breath. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, let me just finish the point, and then then you can you can tear into me. The Orville, the Orville thinks will survive, like Star Trek did, and and even thrive as a species. But it doesn't claim we're going to become perfect because perfect people are boring and hard to write jokes about. In their future, we get to achieve peace and and reach the stars with all of our weaknesses, our foibles, and our insecurities intact, which is. Much more realistic than TNG's, oh, we've evolved beyond money, so I don't need pockets in my tight unitard. (laughs) Actually, all I was going to say was, to be fair, there were a lot of aliens with assholes on their heads in Star Trek. It was a thing. I'm just saying, there were a lot of aliens with assholes on their heads. It was what they were known for, frankly, when I look back on it. That was their makeup. But what I was uh, gonna what I was gonna say was real fast. I apologize, uh, Mrs. C. I was gonna say real fast. You said about a girl felt like the next gen. What if what reminded me of honestly was Measure of a Man, the first episode of Next Gen that I actually liked, the one where Data went on trial for being sentient. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 that, I agree with that. That's that's that was the vibe that I got off of that particular episode. And like like the fact that that was the first episode of Next Gen that I went, oh wow, they're doing something here. With the Orville, I went, oh, wow, they're really doing something here. And I, the moment where I totally went, I am on board with this show forever, I will follow you. Much like in Battlestar Galactica in the first 15 minutes when Six killed the baby. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. At the end, at the end of About a Girl, when Borlas put the Rudolph doll on his new and his newly made son's body, mm-hmm. the Rudolph doll. I just went, oh my god! I almost teared up a little bit, and I went, you got me, you motherfuckers, you got me. Yeah, it was, it and, was, it was movie. It, it reminded me a little bit ahead, also. In, in addition to Measure of a Man, there was there was an episode, not a really good episode, not a particularly woke episode, but but a, a fumbling, groping heart in the right place, more or less episode of TNG where the crew is interacting with some neuter intersex species and Riker, uh, Riker's liaison, Riker falls in love with one of them who, I remember that. Right. And that particular, that particular alien clearly played by an actress, uh, that particular alien identifies as female, which is taboo apparently. And, uh, he tries to, I don't know, again they they try to talk them out of their culture say no you know everyone should be able to pick their own sex there's nothing wrong with it and by the end of it i think she goes through some sort of psychological re-education and she goes no no i was wrong uh it had kind of a downer ending which which reminded me of this episode about a girl they i I kept thinking because of its light comic tone that everything would work out fine but he is really mcfarland is really committed to to his star trek pastiche because He's not afraid to go with a downer ending, and I, I, I that impressed me. That that episode was the first one that re, that impressed me with the intentions and and the possibilities of where this show could go. And yeah. it blows my mind that McFarlane has written every episode so far. That's insane. That is insane. The only person I ever know I've ever known who did that was, was Krasinski. Uh, was wasn't Krasinski, it? and I I went into his office once. Went right in the middle. Of, I can't. We're talking about. I can't remember what it was. It was something about Mark. Something about merchandising. Um, and he was just a zombie. He like turned slowly away from his computer screen, gazed unseenly at us <laughs> through his blank, roomy eyes, and then just sort of <laughs> nodded and grunted. And then, okay, I guess we're done here. And then he slowly rotated back toward his screen and his fingers blindly found their way into the keys and he resumed typing. It was, I was like, the fact that he's not dead amazes me. That the fact that 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 show and and Crusade didn't, if Crusade had got a second season, he probably would be dead. But anyway, McFarland is is amazing. And I have to say, I've never been really fond of McFarland as an actor. And I mean, he's okay, but he's a little too pleased with himself. He, he, he wants to be a leading yeah. man, and, and he smug. knows he knows he's not, so he makes up for it with smugness. Exactly, smug. And, you're right. Yeah. And uh, the smug is toned way down here. Actually, he's playing up the insecurities, which makes him much more appealing. Yeah, yeah. this is definitely like I, I, as much as I enjoyed a million ways to die in the West, and I did think that movie was really funny. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. A lot of people. Um, you did. I did. Oh, awesome. Cool. There are more of us out there. But I do have to say, <laughs> he came across as being a smug little jerk in that movie. Yeah. He but did. He, but here, His uh, smarminess was yeah. just like over the top it, in that film. It, but, but in but the show, you're right. He was right, balanced out by, um, by uh, Neil Patrick. Oh, Neil Patrick Harris was great. Yeah. And Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. And my God, Liam Neeson was amazing in that film. Yeah. He was funny. <laughs> yeah. The supporting cast definitely elevated the movie more than it could have been. If he'd had a worse cast, oh my God, that film would have been horrible even with that script. Well, but, I think, okay. I, think I want, just want to say something real quick about the supporting cast in this show. Is I think oh, I was going to get to the cast. He, you go ahead. Well, he's not, as I say, he's not playing it smug or smarmy, but he's not playing it as, you know, the, the bumbling guy promoted above his abilities. 
he's playing it as a guy who realizes, you know, he made a mistake. This is the last chance and doesn't want to blow it, but who is basically competent. He's basically good at his job, but he's also somebody who has a lot of insecurities, is not, is not baggage and is not entirely, he's not tremendously great at, at interpersonal responses. So he, he gives a lot of the comedy to the other characters, which shows it, 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 as much as, um, as the captain is insecure, uh, McFarlane as a creator is obviously the opposite because he's giving a lot of the humor, a lot of the jokes, a lot of the punchlines to the other characters. And he's not afraid to have the other characters be good at their jobs. So he doesn't have yeah. to like, well, the captain looks good in comparison to his wacky crew. I mean, they're all basically pretty good. They, the wackiest uh, is Gordon, who they who they <laughs> who they take pains to say again and again is, yeah, he'll yeah you know he'll like drink a beer when he's nervous on duty but he's also the best pilot in the fleet so and and that pays off time and again so he's worth it's worth dealing with the wackiness yeah now before i have a softball question that i want to lob at you guys before i lob it at you i do want to make a real quick comment about another episode of priya with uh charlie theron speaking of the everybody metal. must have loved working on uh, eight million. Ways I mean, to yeah, I know. West because with Liam Neeson and she came back. Liam Neeson was on it. Yeah. yeah the, but the, the thing that I loved about that episode, and, and they did a really good job of um, setting up that both of them were at fault for that entire situation. And I love that. She definitely was making was pissed off at the goo goo eyes. He definitely was making the goo goo eyes. Mm-hmm. I loved the scene. Just again talking about some emotional beats where um, I can't think of the security chief's name when he rips the security chief for breaking into their uh, breaking into Priya's room. Mm-hmm. The look on her face when he says, like, you're getting a, a demerit in your report. She has such a poor Lara. dog. Lara, thank you. The little puppy dog, her puppy dog look on her face. I was like, aw. Yeah, because well, she's she young. Yeah, yes. she's young and she's one of these go-getting overachievers who, who probably did all the extra credit reading. At the academy, she's the one who she designed the weapon that would destroy the Mandalorian armor. No, she doesn't seem that stupid. <laughs> she actually seems like she's got a brain in her head. But here's what here's the interesting thing, and you, you just put your finger on it. He found a kind of brilliant analog for the Spurk Spurk. Ha ha ha. There's <laughs> Kirk Spock. Really? Yeah, that's that's the new. Uh, you, that's you just the new made slash. A I just made up a slash. Yeah, a portmanteau. It's a, a Spurk. Uh, the slash <laughs> fiction is going nuts right yes. now. <laughs> Spurk spurted when, anyway. So, wow. oh. so there was always that, there was always that, that, you know, people have, people do write the slash fiction about the two. And there, there is, they, that is the most important relationship. A lot of people want them to have sex so badly that you can find it. Oh. You can find it in two seconds on the internet. In fact, it's hard to avoid, but it's like these two I, can be physically attracted to each other. But because of their position and because of their history, it's really super complicated and it's better for the, they both have an incentive to avoid it. So mm-hmm. it's like we don't question, well, why don't they just do it? But on the other hand, it's like it's kind of oddly satisfying that there's still that spark. And it so the relationship is more than just coldly professional. He found he's like he he found a really smart way to approximate fanfic in his, <laughs> in his actual fic. And I salute him for that. I can't wait to see what happens when Ed finds out that uh, ex-wife got on the job. Because you know that's going to come back. Yeah. True. You know that's, that's a plot point that will Talk turn. about being castrated. 
Yeah, that is gonna that that I can I I have a feeling that's gonna be a finale moment. Yep. That's uh. That's good. Okay, so real fast, uh, like I said, softball questions. Since there are so many, well, unlike the other show that we were talking about earlier, so many likable characters. <laughs> who's, your fav- who's your favorite character on the show, Mrs. C? Oh, wow. That's a softball question, but there's, oh. Like I said, since there's so many, if you can pick one, who's your favorite character on the show? Hey, Seth MacFarlane, you made a show where everybody's likable. Congratulations. Yeah. Star Trek hasn't. This is a softball question with only hard answers. <laughs> I have to say, I like Alara. Okay. I, re- I, I kind of respond to her, like, when she had to take over the bridge. And she just was, like, totally, like, oh, <laughs> very <laughs> nervous. And, um, and then how she finally kind of grew into the role. So I, I think Alara is my favorite. All right, Scott. It was funny when she grew into the role because when she sits in the captain's seat, her feet don't actually touch the floor. <laughs> oh, they don't. She's is that a joke or is that real? No, it's real. She's she's oh, teen- that's awesome. She's oh, tiny. Okay. Um, okay, that's awesome. It's very hard to choose because I do like Bordis, but he's kind of one dimensional. Well, actually, no, he's he's getting to be more multi dimensional as every episode goes by. I was going to say they're adding him, yeah. But he does he he has a ways to go. I but I do like him. Here, I, I'm tempted to say I like Kelly. Uh, but I can't tell if it's because I like the character, which I do, or if it's because I just love Adrian Palicki because of her stint as as Bobby Morse, the Mockingbird on Agents of Shield. She was, <laughs> she was perfect on that. Um, I forgot that was her. That's right. Yeah. Wow. OK. Um, okay. But I think I can make a rational judgment because she was also in the 2012 remake of Red Dawn. So True. that takes a shine off her quite a bit. Um, and she was Wonder Woman. Oh, that was awful. That's Did you true. see that? I watched. Oh, that was the worst. Okay. I watched it too. All right, yeah. now I hate well, it. Stop talking. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop telling me her resume because now I'm filled with rage. Um, okay, she's out of the running. Forget her. Um, I. Wow, Alara is very spunky, and I I do like her. She's. You know what? I kind of like McFarland just because I didn't expect to like him. And he is finding ways to make he's finding ways to make the character kind of a competent goofball. Mm. And I, it's like yeah. when, when, he, when he does the right thing or does the smart thing, I don't really question it. But when he. <coughs> are you OK? Yeah, I'm fine now. Sorry. Okay. I'm just I'm just barked up along, but I still have another one. So oh. I'm good. Oh, yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with. Uh, although I do like Gordon. Oh, damn. You know what? Maybe Gordon. I think Gordon's. <laughs> do I have to do the Jeopardy theme, Scott? No, you just have to stop coughing. I'm just vamping until you stop coughing. Oh, okay, fine. Just pick one. All right, Gordon. Okay. Um, now I know for me there are at least one or two people who want me to say Isaac for obvious reasons. Um, and but I, you're going you're to say that blob of protoplasm. No, no, I'm not going to say. It's that always blob hitting on the captain, and not the captain, the doctor. The doctor. No, 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 no. I, I, I do have to admit, I mean, Isaac, just the fact that his name is Isaac, he's got he's got an immediate edge. And him with the potato head stuff was just one of the funniest things I saw that night. But um, I got to go with Gordon, too. Oh, okay. I am. I, I don't, it's, and only because every so often he'll do a line that just instantly reminds me of Steve Smith. And it just makes me giggle even more. Yeah, he seems like the, the kind of flaky but non-bro uh, roommate you had in college, <laughs> you know, it's like 
kind of not that really reliable, but you know, like you when you really need when you really need some something to keep you up all night because uh, you got a test you have to study for, he'll you know he'll lend you some math or something. <laughs> you know, give me some jolt cola. Give you some jolt. Yeah, I'll give you his last jolt cola, his last Red Bull. He just seems like a nice, you know, basically his give you a leg. It doesn't matter. Yeah, somebody on Twitter said, "Oh, you know what would have been great is if." Like he didn't find his leg, and then like three episodes later, it just dropped from the ceiling. And <laughs> Mc, McFarland said, "Oh my God, that would have been perfect." Too late now. Shit. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. That is awesome. Okay, we're gonna go for one round. Once again, starting with the lovely and talented Mrs. C. Final thoughts. What do you think of this show? Overall, you know, compared to Star Trek, are you going to keep watching it? Is, you know, um, would you, are, are you mad that this is better Trek than Trek is right now? Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about the Orville, Mrs. C? I like it a lot. You know, sometimes Star Trek OS would have the kind of silly episodes that were funny. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the Tribbles, the trouble with Tribbles. And I feel like, yeah, and I feel like this is like, it's going to be like every silly episode a little bit. There's always going to be something funny. And I like that. And I'm just, I'm on Wikipedia right now and I'm looking what's coming up. There's, uh, um, there's majority rule into the fold. Cupid's dagger. That sounds like, that sounds like an original uh, series episode title. Doesn't it? Oh no. It would be be like Cupid's dagger of the mind. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, which episode? So, which episode do you think Patrick Stewart's going to be on? Is Patrick I think Stewart going to be on it? Cupid's dagger. Yes, Patrick Stewart Cupid. is going to be on an episode. He, it has been confirmed. He will be. He's going to be on it. And did you notice that fucking Jonathan Frakes directed an episode? Yes, he did. He directed. He's directed Priya. Oh, that's right. That's right. There's more. There's more classic Star Trek on this than there is on Star Trek right now. I think the Star Trek people love what he's doing. Well, they were all on Family Guy too, so true. What is it? Seth MacFarlane must be a, a kind of a cool guy to work for. Well, he is definitely a giant geek. We know that. I think he he seems to engender a lot of loyalty. Kind of like Joss yeah. Whedon. Yeah, kind of like Joss Whedon. Yeah, people want to keep mm-hmm. coming back and working on different projects. Well, I I am not bothered that there this that the Orville is more uh, Trek than Trek uh, in this for the same reason I wasn't bothered that Galaxy Quest was more Trek than Trek. Um, yeah. I'm amazed how much I like it because I, I formed a pretty clear opinion of what I thought it was going to be based on the incredibly uh, deceptive marketing that Fox mm-hmm. subjected us to before it yeah. came out. And, and McFarlane said before it came out, it's, it's rare to hear anybody contradict the marketing department that strongly. He said, look, they're, it's, they're giving you the wrong impression. It's not a, it's not a comedy it's basically a sci-fi show with some laughs, and it's and I, and I thought, oh, it probably just meant it's it's a crappy comedy. Yeah, I thought it and, was going to be a lot more like Galaxy Quest. And yeah, so did I. But I am perfectly happy with what it is. I think so far they seem to have found a nice balance, and it seems like they're still tuning it. So we'll see where if it started off well, and it's finding its feet. I have confidence that by the end of the season, it's going to be one of my favorite shows. At least the likelihood is greater than that Star Trek venereal disease is going to win that slot. Yeah, even if it, even if it, yeah, yeah, STD, Star Trek Discovery, STD. Oh. I like to call it Star Trek Hoipies. 
<laughs> that's good. <laughs> it seems and, very appropriate, at least as of right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I mean, if 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 indeed my theory is correct, and this is section thirty-one, I'm going to be a lot more interested in the show. I just. Don't think, I just don't know if I want to keep watching it to find out because I only like one fucking character. Okay, let's not go back to the dark side. You're right. We're going to end on a happy note. The Orville is a phenomenal fucking show. If you're not watching it, you don't have to pay seven bucks a month for a stupid fucking app that rarely works to watch it, guys. So you know what show you should watch. Uh, Mrs. C, thanks for coming on for the second half of our television spectacular. Oh, I didn't know I was on the television spectacular. Oh, yeah. Very, this, yeah. Uh-huh. Very special. As well, you sure. And we will be seeing you on the next official episode for the next episode of Firefly. Yep. Firefly yep. Friends. That's right. We are, we're the Firefly Friends. <laughs> Firefly Friends uh, forever. Oh, Lord, no. First and foremost, Firefly friends forever feed and fortify families for a fabulous future. Fuck off. (laughs) And on that note, we'll see you next time. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. Challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. Challenge. That's That's right. right. It's, it's the, the unknown, unknown movie, movie challenge. challenge. It's the unknown what movie. we gonna watch? Unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown what movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown what movie. Unknown movie challenge. That's right. It's the unknown movie challenge. Ready for battle. Howdy do all of you. It's the new movie crew. I am Jeff and three hours behind me are Scott, Blanche, John, and Mrs. C. And I gotta tell you guys, it hasn't gotten any better. So three hours from now, it's still gonna suck. How are you all today? I appreciate that insight. I just wanted to <laughs> warn you ahead of time. Now we, yeah, we have a fun movie to discuss, but before... Before we do, I actually have a news item I wish to throw out to the group for a brief discussion. It is a bit relevant. I'm not going to read the article because um, it's not necessary. I'm just going to read the headline. Elfman thinks it's bullshit that the other Batman films didn't use his music. <laughs> I agree. They... Okay. Wait, didn't, didn't, wasn't there, I thought I saw in the credits of this one that well, they did Elfman. use. What yeah, saying? because that was Elfman. Well, what oh, is... the other, like like the Nolan films, guys. Yeah, like none of the other Batman films, the non the, the films that he wasn't involved in. Well, maybe they used Danny Elfman's music since they had a reference to exploding penguins. <laughs> in 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 Justice League, yeah. Well, they yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan was contractually unable to use Danny Elfman's music. There was a big thing about this. Um, they explored it, they looked into it, they talked to the legal team, and it was explained to Nolan that that music was not available for his films because it was fun. (laughs) 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 Well, I don't know, guys. I mean, this is just what I was wondering as I was reading it, and I did actually read the article, and um, to a degree, he has a point, because to a degree... Because he's kind of, you know, the, that all of the major, you know, um, superheroes have a theme that has surpassed multiple themes. We might go 
Even Brian Singer brought back John Williams' scene for Superman Returns, which is the only thing anyone remembers about the film. Um, so I can understand the idea of a theme, but on the other hand, he, he really comes across as kind of an arrogant douche. So, I, so I'm throwing it out to you guys. I mean, just just on the basis of it was bullshit that the other movies didn't use my music. I mean, it's a yeah, it's a little bit much, but he did he he, he did successfully revive Batman, and Batman hasn't ever quite gone away ever since what he did. And also, so it was he it was could complain. I don't know. Sure, no, and he he also faced a bigger challenge than any of the subsequent composers have, which is in '89 when they brought out Batman and it was a more serious take on it. When people heard Batman, they thought, "Oh yeah, na 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 na." So he had yeah. to go, he had to he had to fight he had to fight that earworm, and and he did come up with something that was fairly iconic however i agree that it's douchey and if he makes a point of doing it in the future somebody says oh no we'll, we'll definitely use your music in this film and then use that one about the pedophile oh <laughs> i don't like a popcorn. <laughs> oh i little girls okay thank you just i couldn't remember the title no. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Okay, no, I honestly was just when I literally just read that, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know. He kind of has a point, but he kind of sounds like a dick. I just want to know what you guys thought. Um, cool. That's all about right. right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, a, speaking a dick right. who is right. Yeah. All right, that's acceptable. I, okay, yeah. there you go, Elfman. You're you're a dick, but you got a point. So good yeah, on but, you. Oh man, oh. don't encourage that. Don't encourage. There's nothing worse. Yeah. Nothing more entitled than a dick that's been told it's right. I'm not encouraging yeah. it. I'm just acknowledging it. All right. Nobody likes a pointed dick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Wait. Wait. I'm sorry. I have to. I have to tell you this. My my first horrifying moment in fandom um, oh, no. came when <laughs> I was I I just I discovered uh, slash fiction. Never never knew uh, never knew it existed. And this was before the internet. This was when it was done in news. Uh, letters and, fanzines and fanzi- fanzines exactly yes. and so fanzine. there was a fanzine comic book uh and i can't remember the name i'm sure someone out there knows it um but it was a kirk spock uh thing mm-hmm. and there's there's oh, a, no. a scene where they're walking naked through some sort of uh sylvan glade and uh spock's dick comes to a sharp point like a pencil it's a specialty dick it's, exactly. it's a Vulcan thing. It's like a Vulcan oh point. But I mean, God, I think I saw that. Yeah, Scott. did you? Okay. It, it was, that I, sounds vague. I swear to God, the image of the naked walking and that. Right. Oh, my. Oh, I'm having a massive acid flashback. And you're frightening me. It was a little. It where, was, does he carry the, where does he carry the sharpener? <laughs> that's that's what Kurt's at. That's where Kurt comes in. Yeah, that's where Kurt's ass is for. Yes. Yes. Okay, on that note, um, today's movie for discussion is uh, Henry Cavill's mustache. Nope, sorry. Um, Is (laughs) Justice League, or as I like to call it, Joss Whedon's remake of The Avengers. Um, Attempted remake. Attempted remake. Attempted remake, yes. And before I throw it out, I'm just going to make a real quick blanket statement, and then we can get into specifics. Um, I think everyone should have, or I think 
smart people should have walked into this going, there's no way that this movie is going to be perfect or even really great just because you have two writer-directors or two groups, of one group of writers and a writer-director with two vastly different styles. And there was no way as much as Whedon was going to try it, it was going to match up. So people should have walked in knowing that this was going to be spotty. But mm-hmm. as a blanket generalization, I'll begin by saying before we get too spoily, for a spotty film, I think it's the best spotty film we could have gotten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I think everybody would agree, all of us agree, that we actually like the film. I mean, but we have lots and lots of things to say about it that are <laughs> negative. But we generally like the film. Okay, so everybody's well, on board with that. I mean, for the most part, there's a lot of stuff to like, but oh my God, what you can rag on. Yeah. I agree. like what John yeah. said. He's like, it was like we watched two, like one half was one filmmaker, the other half was another filmmaker. It, it was, was like two films in one. You know what it felt it like? Was, it felt like one of those movies that you would see on TV in the 70s or the 80s where they would take uh, a failed primetime action show and they would edit two episodes together and try and make it a movie that they could run the master ninja films. like master ninja <laughs> films exactly it um, seems to be it seemed to be sprinkled with wheaton <laughs> liberally sprinkled with wheaton wheaton dust the wheaton the wheaton <laughs> fairy oh, no. sailed over it and, <laughs> and the thing is though the wheaton fairy is exactly what the film needed because in my mind those are the best damn scenes in the movie Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Once again, uh, I, I found the movie to have a lot of angst. And again, it's just DC takes itself so seriously. And thank God for Wheaton that said, like, you know, okay, you know, not all of us. So you have you have moments like yeah. where, yeah. where they're where they you know the the parademons are gathering outside this Russian's piece of crap house and uh, the father lo- you know nervously loads up a shotgun and the whatever the mother gets a cleaver and. The son picks up a hockey stick or something. The little girl goes into a cupboard and pulls out a can of Raid. Raid, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I said, well, it's a plan. Exactly. It's a good one. They it's are. A plan. They are. They are. They do have wings. They are kind of bug-like. So, but it's it's a moment of it's a moment of whimsy that I think would have escaped Zack Snyder. Totally. And I think uh, she might be Buffy of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And she was a good improviser. So yeah, why not? Yeah. Thinking outside the box. <laughs> okay, so um, first question. How much, or I should say, how irritating was the lack of Cabell stash? Because I got to say that, what do they call it? The Hidden Valley or the, what, call, what is it? The what is un- the valley? The Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley for that threw me out of the film even more than the giant fiery special effects guy. Well, this whole movie is uncanny. I mean, the villain... Is as oh, as Mary pointed out, is basically um, a, an end boss from a not terribly great 1999 video game, and <laughs> he he's got <laughs> so call, much. He's got call. like uncanny valley ranch dressing going on in his face. Nothing. He's uncanny for even being an alien. I mean, I, that's it's like the a the the skin texture just looks. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you, you left uh, some cream cheese out in the sun. The eyes are not, not, not even doll-like in their verisimilitude. It was just fake face. Your face is full of fake. And no, nobody, nobody told them about motion capture? Apparently not. Right? 
what, kept it what, a secret? What? What it reminded me of was kind of the Rock as the Scorpion King. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Yeah, it was just like this. Is, I don't feel threatened by this guy at all because he's not real. I mean, that was the thing. He's so much like a video game character that I, rather than than lo- looking at him in, in awe and wondering how our heroes were. F- possibly going to overcome him. I was just thinking, give me a joystick. I can beat this guy. <laughs> three, He's a creature three... from another world. You don't know what they look like. Um, <laughs> I know or, or what they Or how they move, apparently. Uh, how they knew. Well, this, this is what I know then. I, I want to go to that that um, that planet because if that's what the people who live there look like, their video game characters must be incredibly lifelike. <laughs> It's just the Sims. Just the Sims. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it's actually really, really yes. What? No. Why? Why wasn't the actor covered in dots while he was acting? Yeah, didn't you know? it look like they they just somebody without using without having motion capture that they had just animated his face yeah. badly? Yeah. We just saw John and I just saw what is it? Um, oh shoot, the Gary Oldman film. Oh, oh. Uh, Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour. Okay, quick tangent. Without going too far, how is it? Fabulous. Okay, um, my, stop my, there. Really well Sorry. done. Yeah. No, my comment is about him because he looks. Like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but his makeup, right? Winston Churchill, and there. This is a high def film with extreme close-ups, and it is amazing. Uh, you're looking at it. You're seeing the pores in his face. Gary Oldman did not gain weight for this film. So, it's all makeup and prosthetics, and it is amazing. It is so lifelike and real, and this and that's you know that's that's not a major blockbuster motion picture like this is, and this guy looks like crap. And Gary Oldman, he looks like real skin, pores in his skin, textured, amazing. That's wow. the thing. I mean, I was genuinely surprised by how crappy a lot of the effects were in this. Some of them were really good, but a lot of them were just bad. Which is the one thing Snyder is good for, generally, is is striking visualization and this kind of thing. This, this and that's what was missing. But that was that part was gone. The grand pictures, the portraits that he made was definitely not there. But also gone with that were the ridiculous reasons to get those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, you guys. Did you, oh, I can't remember. If it was it was Blanche or John made, made a point at the end of. We're we're all kind of we're disappointed that Jesse Eisenberg showed up because he he did not mm-hmm. he did not endear himself to anyone. Um, yeah. in the previous yeah. film, but uh, I can't remember. John Blythe says like, well, at least there are less paintings in this. That was me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that was less less stupid paintings that the camera will just not stop looking at insisting that this is important and symbolic we're going yeah okay not can, well, can, I, let's move to the next room they have some caravaggios in there <laughs> but as irritating as it was to see him again and i agree with you that scene came i was like oh god joseph mangiola's death stroke okay well here's the yeah thing. i'm okay with that <laughs> i'm okay with that too but it, this this may be obsolete now because affleck has been talking about leaving uh, the solo Batman film and the guy that they brought in to to replace the original writer-director, uh, was it Matt Reeves? I can't remember. Matt um, Reeves, yeah. Was saying that, oh, Deathstroke may not be the villain anymore. And and in fact, Affleck may not be Batman. They may just reboot it and, and, and toss... Have you, have you guys heard who the official 
who the Jake? person there? Yep, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, yeah, I'm um, not sure how I feel about as that. As Deathstroke? Or Batman? No, as, as Batman. Batman. Oh, Batman. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to wait and see. I reserve. Uh, I reserve. Only, yeah. yeah, I reserve too, only because yeah. I remember the reaction when everybody announced Keaton. You know, based on this film, with, with you know, I, I was looking forward to the shirtless de- Deathstroke. We may still get it, even if he doesn't show up in the Batman trilogy, uh, in the Batman solo trilogy. He could show up in one of the other DC movies. I mean, Deathstroke did get around. He yeah. did. He was. He was. And basically, the, the, I think the odds are still good that he'll show up because he is. He is DC's anti-Batman. He's the guy who plans. I mean, for my every God, contingency. If, DC, if they did a movie version of Teen Titans: The Judas Contract, there you go. Oh, right. I'm just saying. If, I mean, if, if they if they if they start doing you know a bunch of movies, they could adapt the Judas Contract. That'd be a great film. And boom. Here, here's one reason why I think it's less likely that Deathstroke will show up than it was previously because they brought Deathstroke back on the Arrow TV show. Where he oh, was, did. He was the major villain in season two, and if they were going to use him in Batman, they probably would have uh, put him on the reserve list. But mm-hmm. considering the audience reaction to Deathstroke. Yeah, people were may, excited. People were. Yeah, excited. maybe it was a trial balloon. Yeah, could be. People yeah, I saw it. I saw it in a um, full house, literally full house. The whole thing was paid for, and um, everybody. I was very surprised because it was a it was a bunch of what I thought were just business people in suits, and all of them freaked out at that. I was really impressed. Oh really? I was surprised by the amount of fan geeks in suits. It was it was it was this movie had <laughs> a very large reaction at this screening. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. Fan geeks in suits. That's a um It's a porn what? site. <laughs> oh, I actually was thinking it was a um a song by Oh, Warren Zevon. <laughs> yeah, so, l- lawyers guns and money and geeks in suits. It's a uh... But since since you brought up the uh, second post credit scene, we're working backwards. I want to bring up the race. I fucking adored that. That was oh, I, that that warmed my heart so much. I go, oh, it's the uh, Carmine Infantino, you know, Gardner Fox classic Silver Age cop. Oh, it's bad. It's great. Except Superman cheats. Yeah, you get to the end, you're like, no, you're not allowed to fly. He, he yeah, yeah. It's a you foot can't race. run over a mountain, but still, hey, come on. Yeah, it's a foot race. It, although they yeah. did, I think they found out uh, that the the sole problem with this because it's one. It was one of the first. You know, the whole who's stronger, Thor or the Hulk? You know, those kind of thing arguments that would go on in um, in the letters columns of comic books when I first started reading them. Um, this is one of the first. Is who's faster, Flash or Superman? Who who would win in a race? And the the problem with this is. Superman looks like an idiot running. Yes, he does. Escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, visually it doesn't work. So, Superman smile. Yes, uh, yeah, that was something that I wanted to bring up. I know a lot of people. Now, I didn't care really about Man of Steel, but uh, either way, but a lot of people when they were analyzing that in Batman versus Superman, one of the things, and you know, as we talked about in Zack Snyder hates Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm still proud of that. There is, you know, there was a distinct lack of optimism in the character. And I'm pretty sure this was Whedon. I think we, in this film, we finally got the Superman that we've been waiting for. And it sucks that it took the death that he didn't deserve to become the hero that we've been waiting for. Well, it felt a little monkeyish. He comes, he gets, he is revived and starts beating up the other heroes, which was kind of fun, but, and then he sees the, his girlfriend and 
and then runs off with her like King Kong. He he's very ape like. There's nothing yeah, higher okay brain functions that. about him in that. Also, he has and a surprisingly hairy chest for Superman. Well, I also like that because I think in I other enjoyed his chest. He, no, <laughs> no, what I mean is previously they would have been like, no, Superman can't have hair on his chest. He yeah. needs to be waxed. You know, yeah, and so I. And there goes secret identity because there he goes oh, flying Clark? off with her, and she's saying Clark. Yes, and the cop is going. Clark. I know. Way to go! Oh, like, good on Wonder is, Woman to be he, like, hello. Is he a British office person? They call him Clark. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Although I got to say, in that in that particular sequence, the scene that was the the thing that made that entire bit for me was when he looks at the Flash and the Flash's reaction to oh, Superman mm-hmm. being always running. Like, that was fucking amazing. Like, I love that. Like, because that's this whole thing is that he is he's a secret hero because he he's invisible to the human eye. He's just turning, watching. I mean, holy shit, look on Ezra Miller's face. Holy now, shit. Speaking of Ezra Miller, speaking of Ezra Miller, um, you do all of you watch the Flash TV show? Yes. We do, yeah. Okay, I, okay. As I do not, I definitely want to ask you guys, just now that you have seen this, uh, what do you feel about Ezra Miller's Flash? Heavily like influenced. Him. Heavily influenced by the, the uh, Grant Gustin Flash. Really? But also I by like, spider yeah, I I like that. Well, basically, the Flash in this film serves as the comic relief throughout. Mm-hmm. He's the yes. only one who's not sullen at some point. Well, no, Wonder <laughs> Woman is. Well, she has her moment, but but that's yes. she, yeah, children. I'm working with children. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I'm so grateful for him and the way they have him being portrayed. So I I like what he's done. I. I suppose it's similar in that it's a bit lighthearted and hmm, it's, it's similar, but I don't I don't think that that one informs the other. I, I didn't get that. Okay. Yeah, because now the TV Flash is way too sure of himself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh really? Oh, okay. It's, it's okay. the, what, the well, fourth season. Well, right he's now. Barry Allen. He's in his mo- he's in his prime. Yeah, right. well, he's so sure of himself, he keeps fucking up the world. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, speaking of, speaking of uh, Ezra, I do got to say, he actually, uh, Ezra's Flash had kind of my favorite arc in the film, um, exemplified by save one person, then what? You'll know. Mm-hmm. Save I another. Like save I, do, I, I oh, really yeah. enjoyed that, his growth a, as a character. And I have to admit, even though I still think the special effects on him looked horrible, I was surprised and quite entertained by Cyborg. I loved Cyborg. Well, I hate and special effects, speak, but I love the character. He's the most mopious character, though. You know, with the with the Flash, every time he moves around, uh, all these electrical sparks fly from everything. He must destroy everything he runs around. You know, he short circuits everything. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like you. You're just sta- you're standing on the street corner. You know, tr- talking to your mother, and all of a sudden your phone fries <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly. He's like, <laughs> oh, oh damn it! Oh, oh, and the sonic boom pops your eardrum. Thanks for that exactly. too. But thanks, Flash. I I have to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Cyborg for, for I I thought the guy Ray I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, why do I not do research for these? Um, <laughs> yeah, we're counting on you because I know sorry. I don't. I, <laughs> he was. I thought he gave a terrific, very nice, very short performance, and and they cast somebody with a really nice voice, which mm-hmm. was yes. smart That's because helped. so little of his face was exposed. But I was I had great fears about Cyborg because he can go one of two ways. He can either be uh, an interesting, fun character like they did in the Teen Titans. Um, 
animated show. Or, or you can Teen be, Titans Go. Or you can be the soup, the the emoist character of all. Not not without cause, but is spends a lot of time uh, weeping and moaning and and uh, mourning his lost limbs because he's basically Ray a, Fisher. F- well, thank you, thank you. Thank he's you. basically a torso. So well, he's a torso and a head. So here's the thing: they, he was he, at least he was he wasn't like oh I'm I'm so depressed and I hate the world and then he finds uh, a sense of purpose in fighting this larger battle. He was already fighting. He was already that's, trying to stop it. That's the and version also, that I had growing up in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so super mean and emo and just I hate the world. I hate life. Mm-hmm. I hate everything. He worked for Lex and did all sorts of stuff. Anyway. Um, but I think in Justice League, he does kind of start off as like, oh, I hate what I am. He's got an arc, too. And, and at the end of it, you know, he and Superman are laughing about, you know, I mean, Cyborg's going, I can't feel my toes. How is that even possible? Because you don't have toes. Oh, it's, it's, but oh, like, I can't feel yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, maybe this is a Zack Snyder joke. Oh, and let's and I've got a really funny joke about his phantom pain. I'm going to work that in. <laughs> but still, it's he's come, he's accepted it, you, and he's yeah. You know, up. you know, at the moment, I I really liked him most. They're digging up Superman's corpse. And, oh yeah, and and he says, you know, it's I can like do this an episode of Supernatural. Yeah, Super, and I go, why, why why isn't the Flash just digging up fast? But they're they're talking. So, mm-hmm. and, and he's sort of annoying uh, Cyborg, like he annoys everybody. And Cyborg tries to, so you get hit by lightning. He's just trying to get him off whatever the topic was. Right. Goes, yeah. So Barry says, where are the accidents? And yeah. Cyborg says, yeah, where are the accidents? And apparently he's he's got like those uh, pop-off limbs of the little dolls. Mm-hmm. Because when he gets ripped apart, they can just plug it back in again. Yep. And it's Thank working God. again. He's, he, he's got he's got full G.I. Joe sockets. Yeah. <laughs> Are there rubber bands that they have to replace? Or? No, no rubber bands. <laughs> well, since we've kind of gone through the list of characters. Uh, we haven't really talked about Wonder Woman. Well, okay. Well, uh, that's true. To. She's Wonder Woman. Oh, we will get to Wonder Woman. No, okay. we will get to Wonder Woman. But no, I just want to say, as, 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 but we, we've, we've discussed Wonder Woman as a character. Before, as someone we haven't discussed, I just want to say a sentence that I never in my life thought I would utter. I actually want to see the Aquaman movie. He was mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, I want to know how come he goes in and out of water with different clothes. He he like he went in. He took off his shirt when he first went in. I don't know. And then he came out with a tank top. And then when he went back in, he didn't have a shirt again. And <laughs> He's got a I'm really confused. He has like. It's like Ariel from Disneyland. He's got a little... Yeah, but but like, why going in and out of the water does he have to change clothes? It's like, I can't arrive the way I left. He doesn't need a phone booth. He doesn't need a phone booth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I was really curious how they were going to handle the mer people, the the Atlanteans' uh, conversations underwater. And it turns out that every time they want to talk to each other, uh, you know, the queen has to form an air bubble in the water. (laughs) this, This is inconvenient. Yeah, but air is not the best conductor of sound. In fact, water is is better than air. So I still don't get it. I guess they just. I guess they were. <laughs> oh they, no, science! They 
Well, that was done for us. Yeah, that was done, but because uh, otherwise. Okay, lumpy. All I want to see more of Mira. So yeah, I'm totally in for a Aquaman movie. I, I'm genuinely interested to see like what a a mer centric film would be like now. Science uh, be damned otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but you're no, you're no, Blanche, you're totally right. As much as I was laughing about that, which I was laughing about it, I'm still going, I like this guy. I want to see more of him. <laughs> I would like to oh, know. When he, I was surfing the bo- when he was surfing the, the parademon down <laughs> through the building, and he shakes it off, I'm like, oh, my God, he just got done surfing at the wedge. Yeah. <laughs> That, that thing has been, been everybody loves it in the in the trailers, everybody loved it in the film, and it's probably something that really happened when he jumped off of something and just flipped his hair. But yeah. when you see it in that context, it's like, you know, this har- I just, just got off this horrible thing, and I just worry about my hair, because, you know, it's going to be my face. So well, he it was, works so well. He was as, as good as I had hoped when I heard they cast him. I know there was a lot of people who didn't like the idea. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought, yes, I want to see that. I'm a fan of Momoa's since Stargate Atlantis. Oh, and, oh, yeah. And I liked him in that. Um, he was the strong, silent time. He wasn't a fantastic actor, but he did what he did really well. And he's grown so much. And also, I love that they, that they like, Pacific Islander heritage guy. I love that. That's, yeah. You know, I just thought that was... You know, you guys know that I I I love the Pacific Islands, and so yeah. <laughs> I so I have I love that. So anyway, I was just so thrilled to see that because it just made sense. Better than a blonde white boy. <laughs> Better than the the Aquaman of the the yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, I think that was the major thing. complaint for most people is that visually Jason Momoa was about you know is is very dissimilar to to Aquaman from the comics. But who cares? It it completely worked. But they gave him some bleached hair. A little bit, so, yeah. They were just nice with peas. And I mean, as we said, Lo- Lois Lane went red because she was jealous of Lana Lang. What was that, really? Yeah. I mean, you're worried about <laughs> hair in the comics. Red, she? <laughs> yeah, she realized, you you have a thing for redheads, so I'm just going to give you that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah, we, we, we definitely do need to, 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 to speak about our den mother. I just <laughs> well, who she was, yes. I, she, was, she was exactly she was a dead that. Mother. And yeah, I just, I, as much as I love her as Wonder Woman, now I want to see her do more. I have officially she's, reached the point with Gal where I'm like, all right, tackle something different. Let me. I want to see up. you grow now. She's the one that says, uh, "Don't run with scissors. You'll you'll knock your eye out." That's the one, you know, the right. practical one all the time. Yeah. But scissors are my weapon. <laughs> I'm scissors <laughs> man. <laughs> um, I just want to say that part in the Justice League when uh, Aquaman was talking and then he kind of started to spill his guts and it turned out he was sitting on the lasso of Hestia. The lasso yeah. of truth. Yeah, the, it, was, it was a nice callback to the Wonder Woman animated film starring um, Nathan Fillion as Steve Trevor. It was the same thing where he was like accidentally sitting, sitting on her lasso and I like that. It was, nice, it was a nice callback. I think Joss put that in there. Okay. Well, as far as as far as wanting to see Gal Gadot grow, I mean, I already have because the first thing I saw her in were those terrible uh, Fast and Furious movies where she was barely intelligible, um, pretty to look oh, at. But we lost had, somebody. Who we lose? Oh no, we lost. We lost Jeff. We lost Jeff. 
The power went out. I got a text from him, and they have no clue when it's going to come back on. So uh, he's asked us to carry on in his stead. It's what he wanted him. He would. It's what he would want. Us to <laughs> do. What he, okay. So, so then you. Okay. So you you tell us what to do, Scotty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I would like I would like to talk about Wonder Woman for a moment because I think it's interesting how she didn't stink even in a uh, Zack Snyder film, and how she seems to be stink-proof, really. She seems to be one of the few characters who is immune to the Snyder stink. And it's really one thing that does it for her. She's charming. Even when she's she's fighting, when she's she's angry, whatever, she's still charming at it. She's likable, and you can can go with her, you know, and you believe what she says. I think she embodies the Wonder, Wonder Woman's whole purpose is... It's for love, love of, right. of mankind. I mean, that's Wonder Woman. And they got that in the, in her movie. Uh, I mean, in the, in BVS, she has a, an arc, which is basically explaining why she hasn't been around, even though she's a superhero who predates Superman. Um, and they did that fine, and and she had a, a great action sequence at the at the end. But it didn't. Well, there wasn't a lot of. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying her. It, but in that one, hers was the only part also that didn't have any angst. I mean. Batman and Superman had all these mommy issues. And yes. mom, you know, so she was just like, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. That's because her mother's name is not Martha. It's Apollida. You, you, <laughs> you avoid a lot of issues if your mom doesn't have not Martha. I, I have a question. Um, is the Flash the only one who doesn't kick Batman's ass? Uh, At some point in time, each one of them, like, throw him up against the wall or, you know... Start to choke him or do something on him. Was it Cyborg did too, didn't he? I can't remember him doing it, but uh, certainly Wonder Woman does. Certainly Superman does, and uh, I think collectively Aquaman does. Yes, Aquaman's the first one to do it. And I think collectively we as an audience do it for Gigli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll be paying for that one for a long time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, But, but Wonder Woman does nurse him. Later, that's well. She, nurse him, meaning she pops his shoulder back into his socket. That was awesome. I thought almost I was like, like, oh, don't make her massage him. I thought she was gonna help him undress. I really was like, oh man, really? Like, don't do that. Oh, you're popping in the dislocated shoulder. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. feel bad for right. that because you know, I, uh, unless that suit is bulletproof, everybody goes into fighting. You know, all kinds of loose and stuff with tight gear. He's got this bulky stuff that he's got to go fight with. You know, I mean, no wonder you have to be strong. Yeah. You have to wear, wear carry all that stuff around. Well, he it is. No here's the thing about Batman's suit that I think Indy McDaniel brought up. I think in in the BBS show we all did the the suit's bulletproof. You see him get shot, and yet mm-hmm. it's not knife proof. Because he gets stabbed. Yeah, right. So it's a very selective form of armor. Well, it's, it's like any armor. There are the kinks in it. There are the, the, the parts where you have to, you know, a joint has to move. So mm-hmm. you have a kink in the armor that where you can slip a blade through. But we've, se- we've seen that in other uh, sci-fi things. Any fast-moving object can make a slow-moving object can. Yeah, we've seen that right. other ones. Other that's <laughs> right. That, that's right. Yeah, that's why in the, the those combinations of science fiction and high fantasy, you know, you have people with their personal force fields that energy weapons can't penetrate. But hey, a sword will kill you. Exactly. <laughs> so we have spaceships and swords. Very Flash Gordon. 
Um, I would like to see the Flash trip Batman in the future. I just think oh. trip would be enough. He's the he's okay. But see, that's mean, <laughs> that's mean spirit and sneaky, and I I think that's below yeah. the Flash. He's okay. some, yeah. he, no, and also he's he's our he's our audience surrogate because he's he a is, big right. excitable nerd. <laughs> Who was so th- is thrilled to meet these characters as we were, and as Ramona, yeah. he really sold that part of it. I'll wait till um, um, Guy Gardner joins the DC Universe. You're gonna he wait can a while. do that. You're gonna wait a while. Yes, but I, I liked I liked how I think you guys mentioned you explained to me that in this film to to fight um, oh god what's his name the bad guy Steppenwolf Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf. <laughs> yes. Or, or possibly it was Three Dog Night. It was one of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I know. I Steppenwolf. Did he, Steppenwolf, did he come out? He come out of Chicago. I, <laughs> I know. I'm thinking of band names. I know. Um, so you have, you know, you have Wonder Woman of the, the uh, Amazonians and the Atlanteans. You have Aquaman, and you have. Uh, um, Batman, he's just a normal human. The tribe and of man. The tribe of man. And then you, because I was so confused. Like, well, don't they have everything they need to beat this guy? But no, you need you need Superman. Because he's the that. armies. He he represents the various armies. He's strong enough for all yeah, of them. For everybody, they just yeah. have one. I thought that they would have a plan. I mean, Batman's basic utility is, if I may use that word, is his ability as a tactician. Because, yeah, he's just a human being in a rubber suit. And, you know, you can find those in Craigslist. But I think you find that at Walmart now, frankly. Probably. But he's he his superior planning skills is usually uh, what excuses his presence in the Justice League. And but you see that his plan gets thwarted by Wonder Woman when she takes over. Well, that's... I, you that know, was a nice that, turnaround. That, that was. I was really hoping that uh, uh, Batman was going to you know, take out the parademons by turning that nuclear reactor cooling tower into a giant bug zapper like Silver Age Batman would have done. <laughs> but it was. I was very disappointed. And it, the, the whole plan was... Well, we'll uh, turn Superman into a zombie and then he'll punch this guy. Hey, which, mission, mission accomplished. Which, I was going to say that it kind of made the old man Batman who just has a death wish. Like, mm. I'm I'm never going to survive this anyway, so I might as well do this. And, uh, yeah. and she's you like, I see up, what you're doing. You brought up another thought. that uh, So his, his saying uh, how old he's getting for this, is that the precursor for him leaving? <laughs> is, that, but, is he giving a hint there? I I wonder. I wonder because yeah. they it's they, so, they did make a point of it. Here's the thing I was going to ask about: uh, what, what's the deal with that uh, big, big vacuum cleaner in the sky that sucks up everything at the end? Uh, initially, I thought that was a way for him to get around this vortex that gets created, mm-hmm. and yet somehow <laughs> it's something that sucks him sucks him to who knows where land. Oh, uh, that's that's a boom. It's a boom tube. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom tubes are. I thought artificial- the boom tube was a TV. Stop. Thanks. <laughs> Artificially created wormholes, which is the way uh, people on Apocalypse, uh, which uh, Uh, the place that they uh, go from one place. That's how they travel across the universe. And oh, he summoned that. No, no, I think it was summoned by. I think it was Darkseid. Darkseid, who who Steppenwolf serves. He was conquering the planet on behalf of. He was he was a subcontract villain. Right. So when when Steppenwolf was being swarmed, Darkseid summoned that. Yeah, and said, pro- oh, you're screwing up. I got to get you out of there. I believe yeah. that's what we're going to find out. Yeah. Oh, by the way, when they were saying, hey, but what if 
Superman comes back as like crazy zombie man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Batman says, yeah, I have a plan for that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't it remind you of the story where Batman has created all these plans on how to defeat all of the Justice League individuals? Yes. I was right. thinking the same thing. That was my first thought. Right. That's what it reminded me of. But I love that story and i love how the end where they say yeah but what about you and he's like dude i'm just a man yeah so you're, <laughs> so you, you're 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 the guy who could beat me yeah you're you're my contingency for me uh yeah that's that's a classic story and and uh, I, it might be deathstroke some major villain steals batman's contingency plans and puts them into effect so yes. um, that would be but that would be a great story for a future justice league i mean you have to obviously they have to exist as an entity before they can see Batman as having betrayed them, which is a big part of that story. Also, in as much as this did seem like a rehash to a certain extent of the Avengers, uh, the Avengers, for the most part, had introduced all of his characters in their own solo movies. So there wasn't that much backstory necessary. They still had to introduce uh, the Flash and they still had to introduce Cyborg. Um, and Aquaman. And Aquaman, really. It's just Batman, Wonder Woman and uh, Superman. So really ha- half of it, they still, half of it, we still had to, we had to still had to spend time in shoe leather um, bringing in and, the characters. So, so there was less no, story space. And no one died. And no one died. Someone came back from the dead. It was a very un-Whedon, Whedon. Yes, exactly. They, they did. I'm sure, I'm sure we just. Like, Anti-Whedon. You can't, oh can't kill anybody. Wait, I have to bring back somebody that's been killed fair and square. What? <laughs> Not, not that I assume. Not that I think that you know. Josh, Josh <laughs> Whedon is, is Josh. just the sum of his obvious bloodlust. I'm sure he has other nice qualities, but um. we love you, Joss. So, what is this? What is this uh, villain's obsession with headgear? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Times he was cosplaying Natalie Portman's Padme from uh, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> I just like a hat with stupid big horns. That's Padme fine. did it better. But so She's, so did the uh, who, the other who one wore in, it in, better? Uh, Ragnarok. Hello. He had to. He had a thing with his uh, his his horns oh, too. You know. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Well, Hella did too. Everybody Hela did too. Oh, well, she also did. She also wore it better. Everybody's horny. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's horny. <laughs> it's just it's just a thing now in superhero films. No, no, but 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 as we know, uh, Lois is thirsty. <laughs> Lois is thirsty. Okay, that was funny. That that was that clearly was cool. that was clearly weed. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he said hungry. And <laughs> yeah. what sold that joke was Amy Adams' look, like. Should I say yeah. something? Um, I'm, nah, just let that go. Did he really tell you I yes. was the thirstiest? I mean, <laughs> are you guys that close? <laughs> ew. I know you're not really related, but ew. How could you possibly have seen what was written on the stall in my high school bathroom? Oh, no. For a good time call. <laughs> Seven five three. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so, any other thoughts? Universal Pan for Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, yeah. he he is a uniter, not a divider. <laughs> but see, that just that just fills me with trepidation for the future, because then they're gonna have the bad guys team, and and he's gonna be there, and I don't want to be there. Well, I don't Lu- want to see it. Luthor you does traditionally see a Legion of Doom. I want to see a Legion of Doom. I don't want to see Jesse Eisenberg. As the CEO. Well, nobody yeah. does. We just need to tell the people in these films, the DC films, the Superman films specifically, you just need to have those artificial sun lamps. You know, oh. if you have enough of those. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the, 
expect him on the gloomiest day of the year. No yeah. sun for yeah. days. That was that was oh, that no, was. We didn't talk about any of that. That day itself warranted like a whole discussion, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, As John pointed I'm out, dig him at night. John, yes, John yeah. pointed out. Dig yes. him up at night. Dig him up at night. Superman, who's powered by solar energy, and then yes, resurrect him on a really overcast Cloudy. day. And yeah, he, as soon as he pops out of the amniotic fluid, he shoots up into the sky, flies to his monument because I guess he's a big narcissist. Um, <laughs> and I'm going, okay, if I you love have how enough, he's looking around. He's like, look, what the fuck happened here? My oh, head's <laughs> you people are pigs. Um, and then, and apparently, apparently the uh, the Kryptonians have the same plumbers as in the uh, Blade Runner movie, movie, etc. They yeah, the rebels. Every, everybody's yeah. basement is flooded. Yeah. But exactly. If he has the power to fly, why didn't he have enough power not to die? He should have flown up above the clouds. I guess the exhuming Superman at nighttime was just because that's Batman's default. You do everything at night. <laughs> but then, yeah, that's Because yeah. he's aware that he looks kind of stupid in daylight. <laughs> And I'm As sure Aquaman would love to love loves to point out. Point yes. out. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, I, I was a little iffy on on Aquaman being transformed from his comic self as this rather uh, regal character to basically a guy who sounds like he works in the pit of any given NASCAR event <laughs> to, this, to this good old boy. But I did like his attitude. And it, it was a nice corrective to, as John pointed out, the sort of the self-seriousness that you see of a lot of it. But then he takes Lois to his farm, mm-hmm. which isn't his anymore. Yeah, not even to the Fortress of Solitude. Of Solitude. Yeah, yeah not even, But then as we learned, apparently, you know, Martha Kent, right. she left all of his stuff there because he left his clothes. <laughs> Because he had a change of clothes. Yeah, he was exactly. He arrived shirtless, and then he's he's wearing one of his nice Pendleton shirts. <laughs> she, she couldn't even bear going to Goodwill with that stuff, you know. Like, I, like I'm out of here. Oh, I, it. I love Leave you it so. I love family. you so much, son, that I've left your room exactly <laughs> as you left it. For the for the people who move in, it's going to confuse the hell out of them. But screw them. They probably bought this now. They bought it cheap at foreclosure auction. Screw them. They can figure out what to do with your crappy high school trophies. Yes, that 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 was odd. That was strange. And they're just lucky it didn't go into escrow. Yes. Yes. Fuck. No, it's strictly as is. It, it's the right. banks now. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the realtor has to say, well... I am required by law to inform you that there is a super corpse buried in the cornfield. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to know, except that apparently they do, because is Clark coming back? Or is he not coming back? That's the other thing that this thing that they screwed up. tell you well, that. They, they, uh, along with killing off Jimmy Olsen pointlessly in BVS. BVS also killed off Clark Kemp in the uh, right. Death of Superman comic book. There's a swath of destruction across Metropolis and Clark Kent is listed among the missing. It says he's dead and there's an obituary the in BVS. Yeah. So it's like, well, and, I can't come back and get my job, I guess. And Which, he has to at least get Superman a different pair of glasses. Forever. Yeah, really. He, bad storytelling requires Superman to go back to lens crafters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just going to be Superman forever from now on. <gasps> Superman forever. But, but, you know, that's asking a lot of Lois. As much as she's been slacking off these last few months, she didn't get that raise. Mm-hmm. She's got to support them both. 
I don't know. Yeah, and he, but yeah, but he Martha's was homeless. But yeah, exactly. No, well, she's not no, she, anymore. She, she was living. She oh, was that's living right. In, that's yeah, right. She had a cheap. Oh, that's right. They have a benefactor. Oh, he don't need nothing. Never mind. Yeah, Batman buys he's the a house. Landlord so, now. Ho- hopefully, he's hopefully Batman's not a slumlord. Oh, I'm a hero, but I'm <laughs> tough when it comes to my tenants. Because you. <laughs> oh, but did anybody hope like it was great that Bruce Wayne gave Barry Allen this this great recommendation so he could get a job? But I was thinking, you know, you're so smart. Why can't you make him some like high energy food pellets that he can carry around on yeah. on his person so that while he's fighting crime, he can pop a few in his mouth and get that energy yeah, I, boost he needs? I know. I was waiting. It, have it, a low blood sugar thing. Apparently, Bruce is now a sugar bat. <laughs> Well, he's got to have a second act, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was one. I was wait. I was wait for a moment in a, in a flash story for him to uh, like be fighting crime with one hand and you know eating a slice of pizza with the other, and then the criminal literally slips through his fingers because his hands are greasy. <laughs> shouldn't have gone. Shouldn't have gone to Domino's, Barry. Well, it's interesting. I mean, even the TV series addressed that, that until his. Bachelor party? No, no, no. They they did. They would mention it periodically. I mean, I remember in the crossover because, and I remember this only because it, it led to a famous GIF of uh, Barry giving Supergirl ice cream and the incredibly delighted look on uh, Melissa Benoist's face. But he he says when when he's telling her about himself when he first appears on Supergirl, he says, "Oh, and I need to eat ten thousand calories a day." Oh, because I, I have a ridiculous metabolism. I don't so. remember that. Is that all? Because honestly, that's yeah. Like, I know it doesn't seem like much, does it? No, Michael Phelps eats five thousand. So, and he's he's normal. I mean, he's really the fastest man in the water. Mm-hmm. But you'd think the fastest man on earth. Also, he and he smokes dope, so you think he'd eat more. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> maybe it <laughs> But you'd think I mean, that like... Barry Allen would need more calories than just ten thousand. It does seem low because here's the thing: the producers of the TV series and the movies and the editors and writers of the comic books don't want people to think about Barry gorging on calories all day long and then take that thought to its logical conclusion. But anybody who has known a competitive uh, weightlifter or a bodybuilder knows that they eat like five, six, seven meals a day, which means they are shitting five, six, seven times a day. Mm-mm. Oh, I don't you know. even want to think exactly. about this. <laughs> so yeah, there, but he goes so fast. You right. don't even yeah, notice. Adds- Adds a little extra speed. Explosive. Yeah. As you, yeah, exactly. he can he can slip into your the stall just as you're lowering your pants, do his business, <laughs> then zip out. You never know he was there. Oh and no! You're all like, wait, is that? <laughs> See, that's that's a creative use <laughs> of the flash the power. Doctor. They they just they, they're always looking for. They, I'm giving you this free. <laughs> DC, there you go. <laughs> Yes, I want. I want to read that fan fiction. The uh, the, <laughs> the real life of a day in the life of Barry Allen. And just hope, yes, and hope his bathroom habits will expunge uh, Spock's pointy dick from my mind. <laughs> something needs to. It's still there, and it's been like twenty five years. You'll never forget this. No. So. <laughs> Uh, let's do fascinating. Is it just a smooth to point, or does it have a? Oh god, never mind. No, I have to tell you, it, was like, it was like it was like a pencil. <laughs> yeah. So let's do fascinating, irritating. Uh, let's start with John. All right. So, so for me, fascinating was I. I was actually fascinated, very impressed by 
how they were able to make those people into a group, a unit that you could see together even when they were disagreeing with each other. Because usually when you have somebody disagreeing with each other, then the arguments that they're having is one of them is like just really being very stupid. And you go, come on, you're not even thinking straight. But in this case, when they were disagreeing with each other, each side made a lot of sense. You know, and mm. each side, when they took different sides, it makes sense that that character would take that side. I like the way that was put together. And for me, again, unfortunately, disappointing was, yeah, it's got to be the, the villain. Uh, because, I mean, uh, seriously, how much more would it have been to use motion capture? Seriously. <laughs> On any part of it, the body or the face. I don't care. Wait, wait until you find out that they did use motion capture. Yeah. Ah! Uh, oh, no! <laughs> Apparently, they use the same motion capture for uh, you know video games because they all move the same yeah. odd, odd way. Oh, we used motion capture, but we used it uh, to heat up our burritos. Yeah. <laughs> Can you use it for something else? I didn't know. Very good points. Okay, Blanche. Fascinating was how well they were able to piece together this film with the two different directors. Again, I should I feel we should mention uh, Zack Snyder. Um, condolences. Sorry why he had to leave. Mm-hmm. But Whedon was a good steward. I think, like Jeff said, I didn't know what to expect. You're willing to accept the worst because it's so likely that it would be badly pieced together. But it was okay pieced together. While you could see clearly, it seemed, delineations between, oh, that's Snyder, that's Whedon. And it, it may good. explain the sales that with oh, Snyder's yeah. name still on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I saw that it's it's underperforming this weekend. Is it? And that's too bad because I think it's better. Yeah. Variety today had an article that said it's underperforming from the uh, expectations. I I do think it, it's it's worthy of an audience. I've panned Snyder's previous outings, but this is better than that. So hopefully, word of mouth gets out. And says, hey, it's okay. Go see this film. Is it a great film? No. Somewhere in between. Wonder Woman and Thor and Ragnarok is where it falls, uh, where it's got some some levity, but it's not as much fun as Thor. Not in between, I shouldn't say. Just below Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman also had a lot more levity in it. Uh, yeah. So it just falls short of that. Yeah, my irritating is that I I, I hate seeing reviews before I go see one of these things, and um, <clears throat> I accidentally caught a glimpse of a headline that said, "Oh, this film is it's funny and yada yada." Um, so I kind of expected more, unfortunately. Of course, right after Thor, Thor was literally laugh a minute. Yeah. And and this was not. And I knew it was going to be funnier based on the trailers. But my fear was that all the jokes were going to be in the trailers. And it was almost that. All the jokes were in the trailers. And that's too bad. And so that's my irritating is that... I saw something that implied to me, or that I inferred, I should say. I inferred that it was funny and light, and because I was thinking Joss Whedon. They obviously used a lot of his stuff, and they did, but it still wasn't that light. Okay. Still angsty. True. Very true. Mary? Okay, my fascinating was I really liked the Amazon response to Steppenwolf. Mm, I, yeah. I really enjoyed that entire sequence with trying to get the mother box out take it keep it going and i thought Isn't it was it awesome beautiful it's like they train for centuries for this now it's here it's do or die it's all out we're all they in were totally it's... ready yeah let's seal yeah. it off who wasn't ready the atlanteans right they were not ready they're on island time bro and, uh. the, and, and the men were weren't even aware 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The Atlanteans were rusty. And my irritating thing was uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg is an irritating thing. I believe we have a yes. title. Concur. Just grow, grow your hair I was kind of hoping Jess. it wasn't going to be him. I was kind of like, yes. when the, the guard was, oh, it's going to be a different person. I, being Lex yeah. Luthor. I was hoping I was like, for a recast. Uh, Jesse's Lex Lex. Jesse Lex. <laughs> Speaking of uh, variety headlines. Uh, <laughs> Nick's pick, Sticks Lex. <laughs> okay. Fascinating for me was the obvious torch passing from Batman to Wonder Woman. I don't know if this has if this is a reflection of uh, Ben Affleck's uh, reported discontent with his role in the series or whether it's uh, a sign of just how successful Wonder Woman has been as a hero compared to the ding, latest ding, generations. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> but Batman is typically the leader in situations like this and Wonder Woman's arc is her stepping up. He's basically goads her out of her self-imposed isolation where she will save people but will not stand up and defend the world uh, after her traumatizing experiences in World War One. And it seems yeah. it seems it was very deliberate. And I want to think it's because Wonder Woman is, is, has proven to be a much more dynamic character. And they they feel like she's the one to lead the DC universe by now. I feel it, however, has a lot to do with Ben Affleck, because maybe it was me, but he did seem kind of drunk and hungover in this movie. <laughs> He did seem. I mean, in the in, in he, he did. He he, he gets even, his ass kicked, and the first the yeah. first thing he does is go pours himself a drink. Yeah, and he I does not. Even, and I he, didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's. I hope we get through the night. I'm like, well, the night. So you're expecting more, and you just poured yourself this massive yeah. drink. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I and thought that was weird writing. Woman, he did, and just the actor seemed a little bloated. Not not that I'm in any I it's my place to discuss anyone's bloated uh, appearance because we had just come from a Brazilian steakhouse before the show. Oh my God. And I was so good. I was filled with caipirinhas and meat and my entire body could have been used as a bloatation device at that point. <laughs> but and you've uh, got two bloated friends, yeah. So. Exactly. But yeah, no, you reminded me of that because I did. I thought, oh, so he pours himself a drink. I'm like, first mm. of all, that's not going to help you heal, brother. Yeah. But then, then he says, well, if we make it through the night, I'm like, what? Oh, I thought you were done for the night. I thought, like, if we make it through this, like, yeah. you know, tomorrow. You guys are thinking there's more tonight. Holy shit! You just poured yourself a tall one. You just got your ass kicked by a otherworldly, <laughs> a badly animated alien villain, and all the people you suppose are your friends. Now comes Miller time. <laughs> Irritating thing is, uh, it's uh, John mentioned it, and and we've alluded to it throughout the show. I, I, I think the, the major uh, flaw with the film is a weak villain. I, I know that's I know that's a legitimate rap against Marvel movies, but the Marvel movies, in my opinion, make up for it with charm, cleverness, and likable characters. While characters. DC, DC does Actual not. Actors. DC does not. Yeah, and, and the thing is, there's no excuse for it because DC has uh, a great stable of villains, and and the DC films, going back to the '89 Batman, ha- has a history of striking antagonists. Just as recently as Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul and Batman Begins, or Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight. On the other hand, Bane and Talia al Ghul, I think that's who it was, were feeble foes in The Dark Knight Rises. And this guy, Steppenwolf, seemed about as threatening as Poppin' Fresh. 
I mean, he, <laughs> he tries to cut. We see in a flashback, he tries to conquer Earth thousands of years ago and gets his ass kicked. So he so he sulks and, and refines his plan for thousands of years. And uh, he attacks again. And this time around, this time around, he attacks armed with an axe and a bag yes. of miracle grow. I will. I will strike you with my mighty hatchet. Yes. <laughs> and I have to say, I don't even I don't even know what his plan was. I mean, it's like, well, and then what? I'll plan. <laughs> I'll plant some special effect seeds and eventually they'll turn the planet into a wasteland and then when I die into a garden full of those weird ass flowers from the Alice well, in Wonderland ride right at Disneyland. Yeah, it looks so beautiful. I was like, it's oh, a- that's so pretty. Thanks, Steppenwolf. Like a- His plan, this guy, this world beater never got you- past fucking up downtown Chernobyl, which was fucked up <laughs> when he got there. Well, you yourself said, and poor Chernobyl, right? Hasn't it yeah. been through enough? Yes. But- <laughs> You, you yourself said he was a henchman, so I don't think maybe maybe he just didn't know the whole plan. He only knows a little itty bit of it, his part of it. The little girl at the end, when she goes, says like, oh, a flower. It's an alien flower. Yeah. Don't sniff it. It, it could has be... spores that'll make you smile if you're Spock. Right. <laughs> it, will, it will make oh. your dick, it'll make your dick pointy when you see Jill Ireland. <laughs> exactly. But then really, what clit. doesn't? What doesn't? Which is really frightening to her. Yes. She didn't know. Oh, once once the uh, Oshkosh Bagosh overalls come off, oh, does she have a bad? Uh... If you learn anything from Gardens of the Galaxy two, don't mess with alien flowers. Yeah, from Star Trek, because Guardians of the Galaxy two, I kind of have allowed my brain to release back into the ether of ideas. I I didn't love it. <laughs> I let it go. Did you? And and did I, and did yeah. it re- did it return? Well, you keep bringing it up, so I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. so it, trying. So it was yours. To, it was yours to begin with. <laughs> Sorry. Go away. Sorry. <laughs> we need some guardi- anti guardians of the galaxy flit. <laughs> Speaking of bugs, right? Okay. Well, uh, as we've been vamping, hoping that uh, <laughs> the power would be restored and Jeff would uh, thus be restored to us. That apparently is not going to happen. So now we're done. Now we're done. <laughs> now we're done. And you people, thank you for listening. You can you if can you're get on. There. You can all yes. If you, if you stuck this long, <laughs> I was going to say you can get on with your lives. If if you're still here, I I don't. You probably don't have one, Cheers. but I don't want to make any sort of assumption. Thank you. I raised my glass to you. Yes. You know what? Now does come Miller time. <laughs> So thanks to the new movie crew, Blanche Ramirez, John Zura, Mary Clevenger. Thanks to Jeff. We hardly knew ye, but he will be back. <laughs> and until later, 